0: Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message, but before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. It's Sunday again. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I like having the guys down front. Y'all can come down front if you want. I think there's something about worshiping down front that's awesome. So if you want to come down front and worship with us, just do it. Just step on out. Well, I'm not comfortable doing that. We'll get over it. God is good to us. Thank you, Jesus. Well, there's a uh, uh, couple things I want to address real quick just before we get rolling is um, if you're coming to dad's memorial service, it's going to be on uh, Saturday the 12th at 2 p.m. at Spokane Christian Center. Um, and you can you can find more details if you want on our Facebook page. It's up. Um, but I know so- several of you have asked, and so that's happening on Saturday. Um my dad went home to be with the Lord on the 18th of January and uh he's feeling good right about now. Yes. And uh make no mistake we're about to join him. So just buckle up. We're we're almost there. Um so it's hard, you know it's, you can't can't be sad for for uh, somebody that goes on that's in glory, amen. Uh so we're going to celebrate his life um on this coming Saturday. So if you want to be there, you are more than welcome to come. And it's going to be a good time. Uh so, men on fire, we're, uh, we waited a whole week, fellas, after coming back from camp. Ladies, how did they do? Was it better? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on. Uh, God's doing a new thing, He's doing an amazing thing in our church. Thank you, Lord, for that. I- I- have you ever gotten to a place where you're just satisfied and just being stuck? I used stuck on purpose, right? It, w- it had a connotation of, do you like being stuck? I don't. I like progressing. Amen. Like the same old every day, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. Let's grow. Let's mature. Let's do some extra stuff. Let's find God in a better, clearer way. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So, uh, if you didn't notice, there's a baptismal tank set up. Uh, so, we're going to do some baptizing uh, at the end of or in second service. So, um, if you guys want to stick around and celebrate with the folks that are getting baptized in second service, I encourage you to do so. Um, but we'll, we'll also get a chance if uh, you're here this morning and you're just feeling the urge. Uh, we could take care of that to today right now, so thank you lord he's good amen um, I will report that it's about eighty six degrees so you know <laughs> not quite bath water but it's better than fifty five so <laughs> thank you jesus amen so um we're actually in a uh, a series uh talking about healing, talking about what the Bible says about healing and <clears throat> I was torn uh, uh in my message message preparation on um, wanting to preach basically three sermons in one, which, you know, (laughs) you guys don't have time for that. I could do it. Um, But so in bouncing back and forth and having the baptismal tank set up and wanting to address uh, baptism, I didn't want to cut baptism short. I didn't want to cut the message of understanding baptism short. So uh, we're going to postpone healing for a week so that we can talk about Baptism. I think it's important. It's a it's a basic doctrine that Paul says uh, is foundational to the Christian faith. It's something that we as believers need to understand. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. And so <clears throat> we're just going to spend uh, this this morning uh, just discussing baptisms. If you're okay with that. I think it's something we need to understand and know because it's it's more important uh, than we really realize. It's it's pivotal and foundational. So um, not just that, but but powerful. So. Um, if you haven't heard some of these things, uh, it, it'll be a blessing to you. And then of those, of you, some of you that are getting baptized next service, uh, or even thinking about getting baptized at the end of this service, it will help you to understand some things. So let's just dive in. Can we do that? Uh, let's open up to Hebrews chapter six, Hebrews chapter six, and we'll start with baptisms. Thank you, Lord. God is good. God is good. I say it a lot because it's just true all the time. He's good. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Hebrews 6, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. He's saying that we need to go on from the elementary, the beginning, the first principles of what he's been teaching. We need, he's, he's telling them we need to move beyond that. No, so uh, he's already taught them these things. He's already taught them about baptisms and laying on the hands. He's already talked to them about uh, going on and and um, getting being uh, repenting from dead works and faith toward God. He's done these things, but we. You don't need to circle back. We need to circle back to some of these foundational truths. Some of you guys haven't been here three, four, five years, right? Some We've hit some of these things, but we need to go back. We need to make sure we're laying a good foundation in baptism. So the doctrine, uh, if you'll see this in your Bible, you'll in underline it. It's called the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Did you see that? Did you see that? It's baptisms. Did you know that there's three baptisms in the Christian faith? There's three. So we're going to talk about the three baptisms of the Christian faith. So uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians 12. The first baptism that happens to us is the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, that's at the new birth. That's being born again. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 says this, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. This is the new birth This is the new birth This is when we get born again When we say yes to Jesus And we call him our Lord and our Savior And we repent from our ways, our old ways And repentance is just change of mind Change of direction, change of purpose That's what repentance is I was doing it my way for a long time And now I'm changing my mind And I'm changing my direction And I'm changing my purpose And now I'm going to do it God's way That's repentance And you can't get born again You can't get into the kingdom of God without repentance this is, the, this is the problem with a lot of teaching today is that if we just say a quick little prayer and just continue to live your life, you're good. Do you know that there's no mention of the sinner's prayer in the Bible? That's a relatively new term. It's a relatively new term. Now, there's a prayer that we pray at the end of service when we invite Jesus into our life and we call him Savior and Lord. That's part of the confession of calling him Lord, Right? But but as far as the just pray the sinner's prayer and you're good it's not in here. These are this is life changing. This is recognizing you need a savior and you need to make a change. You need to repent from what you're doing and go a different direction and follow him. Yeah. Right? And so it might begin with a prayer sincerely, but then this instruction that we do as believers to those around us is to help them to make these changes to follow after God. And we don't earn salvation by making those changes. We we get salvation as a free gift because we decide to say yes to him and then say, I'm going to make a change. the Bible says we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're continuing to make changes and adjustments, not earning it. Come on, we can't earn it. But because we're saved, we make adjustments. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, dipped in the blood, washed and cleansed, white as snow. Isn't that awesome? His shed blood made us righteous before god that's the first baptism that happens but there's baptisms plural that means there's more than one right so we move on from there when we get born again then the bible says uh when peter preached right we're going to see the scripture in a minute when peter preached remember right after the day of pentecost and he preemed that came to him to hear and find out what was going on and he preached jesus and they were cut to the heart and they said what should we do To Peter, they said, what should we do? And Peter said, you shall repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. He's telling them, you believe in Jesus, repent and be baptized. So there's something about being water baptized. This isn't just a ritual where you get wet on a Sunday morning, right? You should have showered this morning already. Wet should have happened, right? This is something symbolic and dynamic both. We, we step into this water because we're letting our church family know, I'm all in. I'm serving God. I, I've made the decision to follow Jesus, and this is it for me. And I'm, I'm having you hold me accountable because of what I'm declaring when I do this. Yeah. Amen. Amen? So there's something that happens. But then the dynamic part of that is that the Bible says that we are laid in the water as if we are laid down and dying with Christ in his death, so that your old man stays underwater. And then when we raise you up, when we pull you out of the water, which will be no less than just a second or two, maybe 10, depends on how wiggly you are. And your your new man comes up in new life unto God. That's dynamic. Something happens in this moment that will change you, that will help you, that will empower you to live the life God intended you to live. There's a reason why they went right to water every time in, in the New Testament. If it was available and they were ready, they went right to water. Amen? Even Saul, who became Paul, right? You remember he got blinded on the road to Damascus when the Lord showed up, and and something came over his eyes that he couldn't see, and and Jesus declared himself to be Lord, and Paul submitted himself to the Lord on the road to Damascus. But then Ananias was called by the Holy Spirit to come to Paul and lay his hands on him that he might receive the Holy Spirit, and he did. And when he laid his hands on him, And imparted the Holy Spirit to him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and something like scales fell from his eyes, and he could see. And immediately he got up, and he ate, and he was baptized. See, over and over again, we see this this water baptism, where people get baptized in water, right? And it doesn't have to be a tank at church. It could be a river, burr It could be a lake. It can be a bathtub. It can be a hot tub. You got a hot tub? Come on now. That's just you being led by the Spirit of God. Well done. So there's there's something about just recognizing, I need to take care of this. This is an important moment. This is not just religious tradition. This is an important event. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Believers are the ones that do that baptizing. Isn't that great that God included us as Christians into the the mix of being a part of the baptisms of God's plan? Isn't that cool? Like, we, we can't do the new birth part. The Holy Spirit has to do that for us and baptize us into Jesus so that we're brand new and new creations in Christ. But then he includes the body of Christ to do the baptizing in water. Because why? There's something about the body of Christ that's powerful, that's strong, that's available, that's uniting. There's something about that that God wants us to know. Stay united, stay together, work together. This is important. It's important. I think it's awesome. Have you guys seen that little clip of the pastor getting ready to baptize the like nine-year-old boy? And he just keeps preaching and talking about baptism. And this kid gets so excited, he just dunks himself right in front of him. <laughs> Done. Okay. I mean, there's, this, there's a point where you're just like, come on, preacher. Wrap it up. I got more to tell you. So just nobody surf dive into that thing yet. We're, we'll get there. We'll get there. So turn over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Are you, can you take a little bit of scripture today? Yeah. This will help you. There's notepads and pens in front of you. So if you need to write some of this down, do it. Because you might have to circle back. Some of the stuff I'm going to say to you, you might have to come back to it. Circle back, Pasaki. You might have to come back and and read this stuff again. Because it's important that you put the word of God inside. You know, some of it might fly past you, and you've got to grab a hold of it and put it back in. Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came... And he spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here it is, this word baptizing again. Jesus mentions it right before he leaves the planet. Teach them, instruct them, make disciples, baptize them. Baptize them baptize them. It's important. This is important. Jesus doesn't say things that are just ritual and just tradition. There's something mighty and powerful that happens when we submit ourselves to the water. It's awesome. Thank you, Lord. I remember when I was in Bible school and I was a little bit, I was a little bit of a character. I didn't cause a lot of trouble, but you know, I had some fun. And I remember when I was, when I was in my uh, third year, we're doing pastoral studies they're actually walking us through what it looks like and how to be a pastor, the the nitty-gritty of doing stuff. And one of the classes we had, because this was a big church, um, was they had a, a very large baptismal. I mean, you could almost lap pool this baptismal, right? So, And because the church seats like, I'm mean, going to guess somewhere between three and 4,000, right? The The baptismal was up and long, and there was a men's side entrance and a women's side entrance, and... It was it was big, so we were learning how to baptize people so no one drowned. It's it's brilliant. Uh, you should teach pastors this. It's very smart. So we're in there and they have this whole thing set up, but I can't just show up to the baptismal lesson. Normal, not me. So I show up in a full wetsuit with my with my snorkel gear and my flippers, and because you know we're in the water. And so we're baptizing, and yeah, I get a little bit of a chuckle at the at the beginning. But then, because the baptism class ran long, it ran over into what they called uh, exaltation, which is when the whole student body comes to the main sanctuary to worship before, uh, or for a little bit of a message. And we're on the baptismal, and I'm in front of Pastor Hagen down there with my sweat my wetsuit and my snorkel gear, and my, and I just remember he looked at me, okay. <laughs> and then... Tony, Tony was teaching us, so he was up there, and he actually uh, shared with the, with the rest of the group that this is what we're doing. This is what Third Year Pastors does, is we do some practical ministry. And what I didn't tell you that I also brought with me was a squirt gun. So while he's addressing the <laughs> students, I'm squirting him in the back with my squirt gun. So that's we get along really good. Tony and I get along really good, even still. I said, do you remember that? He goes, yeah, I remember that. Just soaking his, soaking his back. Well, but you know what, it, we, we were having fun, we were having a good time, and we were learning how to do this. So rest assured, I know how to do this. I am a trained professional. Everybody okay? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, he said to this, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Now, people take this verse right here and say, see, if, you're not, if you don't believe and are baptized, you're condemned. That is not the picture of what he's saying. He's saying baptism is important. And he's not saying if you don't have them both and you don't follow both that you're in trouble. Because there is such a thing as a foxhole conversion. It is not the best way to go see Jesus. It's much better to do it long before the foxhole. Yeah. Amen? I remember even uh, uh, Dad Hagen when he was talking about how he, God raised him off the sickbed. When he was, he was ill with a blood disease. He was dying at 16 years old. And he died like two or three different times while he was laying there in bed, bedfast. He couldn't go anywhere. He died. He came out of his body and started to descend into the depths of hell. God was showing him, this is what it looks like when you don't know me. And he's like, I was raised in church. I was raised in a Baptist church. I, was, I thought I was doing good. And he was not born again. He had not given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord showed him and pulled him back, saved him out of that, came back into his body, breathed again. And the Lord, through uh, several things, showed him in the word how he could be healed and how he could be born again. But after the third time of descending, he was like, I need to call on the name of the Lord because I don't want to go to that place. And he did. He called on the name of the Lord, and he was born again. And then he, he came out of his body again, but instead of going down this time, he started to ascend. There was a peace and a light and a hope. And so there's something about calling on the name of the Lord, even if it's at your last moment that's important. But I would say, let's do it early. Let's live for him before that moment so we know where we're going. So there's no fear and no trepidation, right? Well, let's, let's just follow him, amen? And so when he, when he was teaching on baptisms, he's like, I know for a fact that you don't have to be baptized in water to go to heaven because I got saved on a deathbed and stepped out of my body again, and I went up. So there, God is gracious. He's merciful. He wants baptisms. He wants us to be baptized by the Holy Spirit into jesus so that we're born again we're in the kingdom he wants us to make the commitment in water in front of our family to say yes i'm serving him and see a dynamic increase in power in our lives absolutely but it is not a prerequisite so don't get stuck on verbiage in scriptures because there's many other scriptures that piece together that say if you call on the name of the lord you shall be saved but he's making an emphasis here baptism is important water baptism is important everybody okay with that Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, this is right after he preached, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2, 11 and 13 says this, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So let me read this again. So you get it. It's verse 12, Colossians 2, verse 12. You're buried with Christ in baptism. That's symbolic. That's you laying down the old man, saying, "I'm, I'm rejecting the old way of doing things. I'm following Jesus. You're buried with him in baptism. In which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. This is the part that we rejoice in, that when we come up out of the water, we're raised with Christ. New life. Isn't that exciting? Come on, that means that the stuff that was pulling on you before does not have access to you anymore. It it doesn't have the same pull anymore. Sin doesn't have the same pull on you anymore. So if you're thinking in your mind like I did when I was reading this too, is like, well, wait a minute, there's still a pull of sin on the flesh. There's still stuff, even after I've been baptized, that is still a temptation. That doesn't mean temptation goes away. Right. Yeah. Right. It just means your ability to say no to that increases exponentially. Yeah. Yeah. You that you're choosing in your choosing and your decision making still play a role in saying no to the stuff you're not supposed to do. Right. Yeah. But that's the grace of God to come in to infuse us with strength and power to say no to the stuff that doesn't help us at all. That actually pulls us away from God. That that causes uh, separation from Him. Mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't that good of God to help us with that? He doesn't just say, figure it out. He says, I'm going to empower you through this event right here of you being symbolically laying down your life and then coming up new. That's That's awesome. So a a day like this, for those of you that are being baptized, can be absolutely a roadmap marker in your life to say, "Mm -mm, no more. I died that day and I was raised to new life. It no longer has the hold on me that it used to have because I'm in Christ. Amen. Amen. It's important. It's important. Turn over to Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. I told you we're going to see a bunch of scripture today. (laughs) Doctrine of baptisms. This is important. Thank you, Lord. So when we're out there and we're telling people about Jesus and they say yes to the Lord and you're able to pray with them and they're able to declare Jesus as their Lord, don't leave them hanging. There's more. Amen? Amen. Come on, get some information from them. Find out who they are. Contact them, call them, say, hey, listen, there's there's more to this. There's more increase and more help and more strength and more power to what we do in following Jesus. The next step is get baptized in water. See, this is weird to the world. The world doesn't understand this stuff. But for believers, this is the norm. This is our norm. Amen? Romans chapter 6, are you there? Let's start in verse, let's start in verse 3. Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? There it is again. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Wow. Wow. So when you're baptized, you can walk in newness of life. That's great. Thank you, Lord. This day is going to be different. It's going to help you. You're going to have more strength, more power, more ability to say no to the flesh than you ever have before. You will never have to stop saying no to your flesh. Did you know that? Who's my chocolate freaks in here? Come on. Okay, half of you are honest. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, sometimes you just got to say no to the tasty treat. You can't polish off that plate of brownies just because you want to. You will never have to stop saying no to your flesh, but you are empowered to do so by the grace of God. It's amazing. It's amazing, amen? Why would you want to do it on your own anyway? Thank you, Lord. So keep reading. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, thank you, Lord, and that the body of sin that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. This is your hallmark verse when you're dealing with stuff you're tired of doing. Yeah. I love how my dad used to say this. He used to say when he got saved, he was raised Catholic. So when you're raised Catholic, some of y'all were raised, were raised Catholic. When you're raised Catholic, um, they encourage you not to do bad stuff. But if you did, and frequently you did, <laughs> you could come to confession on Saturday and be absolved of all that mess, and then just start over again on Monday. Right. That was the that was the pattern. That was the cycle. It was it was considered okay as long as you told the truth on Saturday in the confessional. Right. And when my dad got saved, he got born again. The life of God came on the inside of him, and he stopped wanting to do this stuff Monday through Friday that he was doing. It was like it wasn't fun anymore. Right. It's like why do I keep doing this? And and he used to make, he made this statement. He said, I literally stopped doing stuff because I was tired of coming before God and asking for forgiveness. Lord, I don't know what number we're on. It's got to be in the thousands. (laughs) But man, am I tired of of asking forgiveness for this. And it's just not understanding being a new Christian and recognizing and leaning into the power and strength of God to say no to that. He's given you the ability. It is possible for us to make it an entire day. Look me right in the eyes. It is possible (laughs) for us to make it an entire day without sinning. Are you okay with that? There's going to be a point in your life you could make it a whole week without sinning against God. There's like four sides like, what? we got to stop giving ourselves permission to do wrong just because of the grace. He's trying to direct us and lead us away from sin, which separates us from God and hurts our relationship with him, to walk in newness of life. You can, you can make it a whole day without making that mistake. You know what the one is. I don't have to call him out. You know what that is. You can make it. You can do it because of the power of God on the inside of you. The strength of God on the inside. Look into him, the author and finisher of our faith. I don't have to do that anymore. I'm not pulled by, pulled by that anymore. I'm a new creature. This is the beauty of baptism, isn't it? Yeah. It's so fun when we get a hold of this in our thinking and we renew our mind according to the word of God. And we step back and we say, why do I keep allowing myself to do that? I don't have to do that anymore. We're still going to have to deal with temptation. We're still going to have to make choices. You and I, for the rest of our life, choice after choice after choice. What did they say in Indiana Jones? Choose wisely. Right? Thank you, Lord. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. You are freed from sin. Because you have been been crucified with Christ. Raised up to new life. You're free from it. You're free from it. You need to say that to yourself when you're dealing with stuff. No, I'm free from that. Mm -mm. I don't have to do that. I'm free from that. There's no chains. There's no bondage in that. You heard the term generational curses, right? I've said that here before. I don't believe in generational curses over believers because we got a new daddy. We got a new daddy. There's no curse in him. Come on, the stuff we call generational curses are habits we learned from the people before us that they passed down and we fell into, and then we just keep circling the. Come on now. So we've been freed from sin. If we'll begin to believe that, you'll begin to make better choices. Yeah. You'll begin to say no to the stuff you used to say yes to, you used to just fall into. Yeah. Slippery slopes, man. Yeah. If you've ever been on one like me, you end up in the water. So if you just stay away from the slippery slope, it'll help you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There are slippery slopes in the kingdom you want to be around. You want to be around a church that's preaching Jesus and talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. That's a slippery slope. We want you to slip on that slope and come on in because the water's good. But there's others you just avoid. Yeah, I don't think I want to be over there. That's not as fun as it used to be. Hmm. Now, if we died with Christ, verse 8, we believe that we shall also live with him. Amen. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. That the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. Likewise, you also, come on, he's talking to us, reckon. You know what I mean? Reckon You reckon we ought to go over there? Reckon. It's in here. It's It's hick. I don't know how it got in there, but it's in there. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. That means you've got to account yourself. It's an accounting term. You've got you've to count yourself dead to sin. You have to do that. I can't do that for you. You have to wake up and say, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to sin. It does not hold me anymore. That's a faith statement that will help you your whole life. Reckon yourselves dead to sin. Stop giving your Christian uh, excuses of, well, we're all just sinners And we just can't help it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. H-E double toothpicks. It is. It's a lie. It's a lie to the church that tells us and keeps us in bondage and enslaved to something we are freed from. Amen? Amen? Come on, we're free from it. We're free from it. Thank you, Lord. We're free from it. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. This is instructions to us about sin. Don't let it reign in your body. Don't let it rule. Don't let it dictate. Don't let it tell you what to do. You are not subject to it anymore. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Come on, we all got flesh. We are all dealing with this. We like our cookies and ice cream, right? We like the stuff that pulls on us. We like to say the things to the drivers because it makes us feel better. It's <laughs> your flesh. you got to deal with your flesh. you got to deal with your flesh. you got to catch your flesh. you got to stop your flesh. Until this gets recreated, when Jesus shows up and we're glorified, you're going to have to deal with some stuff and say no to it. But greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. The, the pull of the world, it does not have a greater pull than he who is in you. Thank you, Lord. Reckon yourselves dead to this. Do not let sin reign in your body that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. This is verse 13. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. These are instructions for us to do. This is for us. This is what baptism strengthens us and empowers us to do. So last week or the week before, I even said this. I said, when it comes to water baptism, uh, many of us ha- were baptized when we were younger. Not all of us, but some of us. You know, when you're when you're a kid, I was baptized twice. Once when I was nine, once when I was fourteen, and I remember. Him. But there's something about. Uh, being prompted by the Spirit of God that when maybe you got baptized out of compulsion or because your friends were doing it or because it was the thing to do at the moment, there's something about understanding this moment where it's, it's a powerful expression of who God is to you in laying down your life and just saying, okay, Lord, I'm all yours. And understanding that clearly I understood that when I was 14. You may not have been in a position where you did. Maybe you were just in line and you thought you were getting nachos at youth camp and it was the, oh, 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 we're going in the water. Okay, maybe that was you. I don't know. But there's something about doing this on purpose that empowers us under this instructions right here to say no to the flesh. For sin, verse 14, shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace. Now, we don't make this a sacrament. We don't worship this. We don't idealize this. We just understand what it means when we do it by faith. Because it's not about the 86-degree water. Thank you, Jesus. It's not about that. It's about the symbology and the dynamic power that happens when we submit ourselves to God. And the doctrine of baptisms, plural, this is the middle one, where we as believers baptize each other and we hold each other accountable because god wants us to do that are you okay with that yeah. so that <clears throat> dive with me into the last baptism acts chapter one acts chapter one thank you lord where does the time go you, can you take a little bit more yes. acts chapter one verse four <clears throat> We're baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus. That's when we're born again. We're baptized by each other, by believers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ into water where there's a powerful powerful thing that happens. We're dead to Christ and alive to God. It's awesome. And then we're also baptized by Jesus into the Holy Spirit. That's the third baptism. We're baptized by Jesus into the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to send the comforter. Amen? And he did. He sent the Holy Spirit, didn't he? Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Oh, sorry, yeah, but one verse four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, this is Jesus, not to depart from Jer- Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is the, this is the third of the baptisms, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is an important part of a Christian walk. This is important. Everybody say It's important. Come on, this is something that has been left off the rolls in churches for far too long. We got to follow all the word of God. We got to complete all the steps, not to get into heaven, not to earn favor, but because he laid them out for us so that we could be full of power and do what we're called to do. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. And he told his disciples, after he'd been with them for three and a half years and instructed them, they had seen him uh, alive after being dead. And, and he's breaking bread with them, and they're excited that Jesus is alive. And after all of this, he's saying, I've got to go so I can send the helper. i got to send the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, verse 15. Read this again. And he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he who is, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Don't let that freak you out. We're supposed to help people who are dealing with the demonic. We talked about this a little bit last week. We're supposed to help them. That's our job. We have authority, amen? In my name, Jesus said, we are going to cast out demons. We're going to help people just like he did. And they will speak with new tongues. And they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, don't let any of this stuff freak you out. People avoid this stuff in scripture because they don't like the, what's this speaking with new tongues? Why are we taking up snakes? I don't get that. Why are we drinking deadly stuff? What is happening? In the complete Jewish translation of the snake part, it says not be injured if they handle snakes or happen to drink poison, right? I would, I'm not intentionally drinking poison, but if you happen to accidentally, it will by no means hurt you. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus. Paul accidentally picked up a snake when they were making a fire remember after the shipwreck and he was making a fire and the snake came out and bit him I don't know how you accidentally pick up a snake that has never happened to me I don't intend for that to ever happen but somehow it must have been pitch black and I mean pitch black for this to happen he picked up a snake in this bundle of sticks and when he dropped it in it came out of the fire and latched onto his arm and what did he do Ah! no he just he just shook it off in the fire I mean, that's what we do. What am I going to do? Call 911. No, he just shook it off in the fire. This is an instruction in an era where they're clearly dealing with some snake problems that if it happened to happen, don't worry about it. Okay. I mean, just don't over-spiritualize it. It's just God's protecting us. He's helping us. But he does say, speak with new tongues. So all believers, as as believers, we're called as believers, to cast out devils, to speak with new tongues, lay hands in the sick and see them recover. And if something comes up like a snake or poison, we don't have to worry about that. Right. All believers. So some have said that this speak with new tongues means that we're going to learn a new language so that we can be missionaries. We're supposed to all learn a new language and all go to be missionaries? It doesn't, I, I'm not computing all this. English is my first and pretty much only language, except a poquito español, muy poquito. So I haven't, I haven't learned a new language in the natural tongue, but I have been filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and speak with other tongues. Thank you, Lord. That's what He's talking about. Why do we know that? Because it happened in Acts chapter two. Are you guys okay? Luke uh, twenty four forty nine says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So turn over to Acts. Turn over to Acts. Chapter one, verse eight says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in, the, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He told them to go wait for the Holy Spirit. So they did. Thank you, Lord. Not everybody he told to go wait waited. Only 120 out of about 500 people Jesus gave that instruction to went and tarried and waited for the Holy Spirit. But because they were there and they were with one accord, guess what happens? Acts chapter 2. Are you there? Acts chapter 2. It says this. When the day of Pentecost, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Everybody say all. All. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. Now, we don't have time today to talk about all the nuances of this, because there's a ton of scripture about praying out and speaking in other tongues. But I'm telling you, from scripture, it's for every believer. Just like in my name, they will cast out devils, speak with new tongues, lay hands on the sick. We're all called to that. We're all called with the authority and the ability to walk in what God's called us and in the name of Jesus, fulfill the role and mission that we have as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. So this gift is for everybody. And we see it because he filled Oh, help me with it. They filled all of them. He filled all of them. If it was onesies and twosies like it's been taught in other places, we would see it right here. And he filled 30% of them. He filled 60% of them. No, he said he filled all and they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the third baptism. This is the doctrines of baptism that Paul said are elementary. They're basic They're foundational. This is the beginning. When you start in this walk, you find out what the baptisms are so that you can grow from there. Because if you don't put a good foundation down on any building, it will not last. And this is the frustration, I believe, with the church as, as a whole, by and large, is that Christians aren't taught about the foundational principles like baptisms, and they live their life just like the world because they don't understand that there's power here and there's power here. And so the people look at them and go, well, you're a Christian. You're not doing anything different than I am, except that you have a commitment on Sunday mornings now, and I don't. So why would I do that? And it's because they haven't laid the foundation. Somebody hasn't laid the foundation for them in some areas that will give us as believers strength to say no to sin and change the way we're doing things and follow Jesus like we're intended to. So when we leave these things out, we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. Are you guys seeing this? It's awful quiet, man. I know it's early. Lord Jesus. This is so important. As believers, we understand the doctrine of baptisms so that we can walk in the power and authority that God gave us. Jesus said you can't do the ministry that I called you to do without being full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And every time we see them lay hands on or preach about the Spirit of God, they are all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they speak in other tongues. So if this is new to you and this freaks you out, just don't let it freak you out. The enemy wants you to hear a message like this and bolt. Where's the closest exit? Honey, get your purse. We're about to bolt. The enemy wants you to not understand this. So you you continue to walk in the way you're walking. God wants you to come up a level. He wants you to find everything he has for you and want it all the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the power of God unto salvation. Thank you, yeah. Lord. Amen. So Acts 10. If have got, got a little bit more. We'll wrap it up. Thank you, Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This is Cornelius. <clears throat> the background of this story is that Cornelius is a godly man, and he's praying. And Peter, obviously, is one of the disciples, and he's praying. And somewhere in the same time frame, when they're in different cities, God gives Peter a vision and also sends or tells Cornelius, um, before, uh, just before Peter's vision, tells Cornelius, send men to go get Peter. And And Peter's having this vision of how he's supposed to include the Gentiles into this Beautiful tapestry of salvation that we call, you know, following Jesus. And right now, he's just preaching to Jewish guys, men and women. He's leading people to Jesus in the Jewish state. But God is showing him, no, this is for everybody. So while that's happening, Cornelius sends a couple guys. They come to Peter. Peter knows by the Spirit of God they're coming, and he goes with them. And he comes to Cornelius's house, who is a Gentile, but he loves God. Peter's not even as a Jew; he's not even supposed to be in the house. But God told him to go, and he went. And he starts to preach the gospel. To Cornelius and all his house. Because Cornelius loves God and he wants to know Jesus. And so he's preaching to him. And he's telling him about Jesus. And in verse... Peter, while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard it. And those of the circumcision, those who were Jews with with Peter, who believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, all of them. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them what? What? Speak with tongues and magnify God. About Jesus. And while he's preaching, they are saying yes to Jesus as, as Lord. They're saying, I agree with that. In their heart, in their spirit, maybe even under their breath, they're saying, I believe that. I agree with that. They're born again, and then the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they are so saturated and full of the Holy Spirit, they speak with other tongues. And the mighty faith and power disciples are like, can this be? They're not like us. Something happens when we connect with God with the Holy Spirit when we're open. He will flood in and fill us full. Thank you, Lord. And so this is this was God telling Peter, Jesus telling Peter, the gentiles are included in this also. And when you're full of the Spirit, this was their sign. They knew this. They knew they got filled with the Holy Spirit because they heard them. Speak in tongues and glorify God. Are you guys okay with that? This is Bible. Yeah. And it was all of them. It wasn't just Cornelius and his wife or his kids heard them. They heard them. It says it fell on all of them. And they heard them speak with tongues and glorify God. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now go to Acts 19 real quick, real quick, real quick. These are doctrines of baptism. These are basics. These are basics. We're supposed to understand Acts 19, verse one. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" Isn't it interesting? As soon as Paul found people he didn't know, but he found out they were disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first question he asked is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Why? Paul knows how important this is. This is a new region. It's a new area. He hasn't been up there before. He hasn't taught this basics before so one of the first things he's asking to get a a pulse of what's going on where he just showed up is did you receive the holy spirit since you believed isn't that amazing there's something about tying this all together with believers that we need to connect the dots and know this is important to the body of christ and they said to him we have not so much as heard whether there is a holy spirit so they found about found out about jesus but they have not been taught taught about the holy spirit yet And Paul said to them, into what were you baptized then? And they said, into John's baptism. So they understood water baptism, but only from John the Baptist's side. Only on the repentance side, not on the dynamic change, power, increase, and flow of being dead with Christ and raised again to new life. They they hadn't been baptized in that way. So then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when we baptize today, we're going to baptize like Jesus said in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's how we baptize. Amen? Amen. And once that baptism happened, Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with other well, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And the men were about twelve in all. Thank you, Lord. So we see it again. There, there, this time they did it in an order where it was salvation, water, Holy Spirit. In Cornelius, he was salvation, filled with the Holy Spirit, then baptized in water. Because there, there was no time in between, the salvation and the, isn't that amazing? Yeah. So the order isn't necessarily mission critical. The baptisms and having them all a part of our life is is mission critical. Right. It is important. And we see here, there's 12 of them. He laid hands on them and they spoke with other tongues. And the men there were, were about 12 in all. It was all of them. There's 12 of them, all of them. If it's, if it's just for a few, like has been taught, then we're gonna see it right here. Not four of them got it. The other six wasn't their gift, right? But that's not how it went. This, this baptism in the Holy Spirit and praying or speaking in other tongues is for every single believer. Now there's uses of that in the gifts that are in Corinthians, which we can't go into right now. There's uses of how that works, but that's in ministry settings. It's in church settings. And when we're ministering to each other, But your own personal relationship with Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Spirit is followed by being full of the Holy Ghost, praying and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. Jude says that he says, we're to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There's an edification that happens. Paul talks about this in Corinthians. We don't have time to go there. But Paul talks about this. There is an edification that happens when we pray in the Spirit in our inner man. It's to strengthen and build us up so that we can do and be all that we're called to be. Everybody okay with that? I felt led, urged, nudged to just hang out in the baptisms today because of what's happening today. But I want to encourage you, if this is new or this is like, well, I don't know about this, just chew on it a little bit. Because I realize in a crowd even this size that there are people that have been taught different than this. And it may go cross-grain with what you were taught, but we have to go to the scripture if we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. We've got to see it for ourselves and not just have somebody else's idea. Because Christianity has a really good way of explaining things away when it doesn't show up like it looks like in the Scriptures. We're like, well, it's because of this and that. And Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Amen? I don't know about you, but I want all of what God has for me. Right here and right now. Come on, we're going to enjoy glory together. It's going to be an awesome time. But right here and right now, we have a job to do, and he's made provision available for us to walk in the fullness of everything that God's given us. It starts with making Jesus our Lord, getting baptized in water, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a big deal. It's important. Amen? Amen. So many of you uh, have been in this church for a little bit of time, and you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit just being here, just hanging around people that will actually talk about it, preach about it, uh, encourage you in it. That's how it works. If you want this, it is available to you. Amen? amen? So here's what we're going to do. Just got a couple minutes left. Here's what we're going to do. I want to pray. I want to I make available anybody that's here that has not made Jesus Lord of your life, because that's baptism one, number one. That has to happen first. Yeah, I want to make that available to anybody that wants to be uh, and make Jesus their Lord of their life. But then I'm also, at the end, going to make it available, the altar up front. You can come down after we dismiss. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and speak and pray in other tongues. This is, this is available to you. This is, this is Bible. If that's something you want, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can have it this morning. It's simple. He didn't make it hard. He made it easy. Thank you, Jesus. So that's going to be available after that. So in, in, in uh, just addressing y'all about making Jesus the Lord of your life, right? This is important. This is one of the best decisions you can ever make if you haven't made this decision is to say yes to Jesus. He died for our sins. And he was raised from the dead so that we can live a life with him. Because otherwise, you and I have to pay for our own sin. There is a judgment coming on us all. Judgment for believers is a good judgment. It's when our rewards are handed out. It's when when our works are tested with fire and the things that are refined by that fire come out, we get a reward for that. It's not a painful uh, reward ceremony. Some of the things we thought we were doing for God gets burned up. uh, But the reward at the end is worth it. The judgment seat of Christ is for us to receive reward. Now, if you're not saved, if you haven't said yes to Jesus and his lordship, you will stand before the judge and you'll give an account for everything you did in your in the body. You will give an account for your sin and you'll have to pay the price for that for eternity separated from God. Jesus made the way that we didn't, you don't have to do that. You can choose him. It's better. It's a better plan. It's a better path. It's a better outcome all the way around. But as believer, as Christians, as human beings, we have to choose that for ourselves. We have to say yes to him.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us. And remember, Jesus is coming soon.